Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. Welcome to the run dot down. Um, my name's Jeff, aka Frank Barrett, 11-9. And we just got done watching the Knicks. I don't want to say take a beating, but they ended up losing by nine. Um, I thought they showed some really good fight. Uh the end of the third quarter you know to get it i think they took the lead there for a little bit um but they kind of ran out of gas at in the fourth quarter and also just got outplayed which shouldn't be too surprising to too many people given the things we talk about here every single freaking night um i'm gonna let you guys carry the show because the truth of the matter is I don't have too much to say about this game that I haven't been saying for a year now. It's the same thing over and over again. Um, And it's going to keep being the same thing until something changes. Um, Going through the box score, we got uh, RJ scored 30 points on 18 shots. That's good. I mean, he had 37 and five. This is as good a, a box score as you're going to see from RJ Barrett these days. And yet he was last on the team in plus minus again. Um, now hold on. <laughs> this isn't to say he had a bad game. What this does say to me, as much as you can infer from one single game plus minus is that the rotations that were deploying night in and night out are not maximizing some of the players, I believe they're maximizing two players right now. Um, you know, maybe four, if you want to include Sims and Hardenstein, because no other coach would give them 48 minutes consecutively. But I mean, this scheme and this rotation, everything is designed to maximize Brunson and Randall. That is Tibbs' ship. He is going to go down with that ship. Um, and so we're starting second and fourth quarters with RJ plus the bench. Um, Newsflash, when you players come off your bench and they only play minutes together, they're not going to look as good. No team does that anymore. It's not a thing anymore. Um, so it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy so that Tibbs can just go back to the starters. That is almost what it feels like he has in mind. And once again, they struggled to start the fourth. And so to me, the main story is Obi Toppin. 14 points on five of seven shooting. He was awesome in that first half, played 11 minutes. And that's not an accident. That's what's going to keep happening. Um, He shouldn't be on this team. The Knicks should look to trade him. I feel very confidently about that. We're doing him a disservice. This coach is doing him a disservice. We are failing him as a franchise. Um, And fine. I mean, if you don't think Obi Toppin's worth you know, if, if you don't care that we're failing him, you don't think he's good enough to give any prioritization to that's, I don't think that's definitely wrong, but at the same time, this team didn't have to be a win now team. Tibbs could have created a paradigm where wins and losses almost didn't really matter. Like we're, I'm not saying I'm not calling for a tank. What I'm saying is, he could have had his cake and eaten it too. He could have gone after wins, but there's a world where we're going after wins and the minutes deployment 
is such that fans feel like there's de- uh, development happening and that there's something that we're building towards. This team right now is building towards nothing. Um, and I don't care what anyone says. This is, this is a pointless season. As long as the minutes stay this way, as long as the offense is run this way, all we're learning right now is that Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle can put up all-star level production as one and two on a team, but it doesn't matter because they won't win anything. The second we get a star, they're going to play in a completely different style of basketball. None of this will matter. Um, we're not helping RJ's development. He's basically a third banana. Okay, great. Um, Obi, that's gone. This is just, I mean, I'm not saying the sky is falling, but I'm just saying these are pointless games. These are just, we're not trying to do anything good um, except win. And that's my point. That's my point is that when you coach this way and you rotate this way and you say, well, I'm going to do what I have to to win. Okay, we're going to judge you on wins and losses then. And for the second straight season, he's failing in that regard. Um, So... Yeah, I mean, you guys are going to probably hear our cat who, yeah, he likes to meow. Um, As long as this keeps up, Tibbs is going to be judged on wins and losses. And great, we're we're approaching 500 again, and that's that. So those are my thoughts on the game. I hope you guys have more more comments and thoughts because I'm going to get to each and every one of them. Type whatever you want until you guys stop commenting. I'll I'll keep going until you guys stop commenting because I do love talking about this team. And I hate being negative, so I hope somebody in here brings more positivity because, yeah, that'd be nice. Um, First comment is Brian Benjamin. Thought we'd see more Obi and Randall since the Raptors play small. Yep, that would make too much sense. But, I mean, look, uh, I, uh, I, uh, I tweeted out. From the Strickland account, ask anybody who's a pro Tibbs guy why he won't do it. And you will get the same answers. Uh, our, we, our rebounding won't be great, and we won't be able to protect the rim. And you know what? When Mitch is playing 30 minutes a night and you're trying to build a foundation around what Mitch does, that... It, it makes sense. I still think that Randall and Obi should play minutes together. And I still think every other coach would play Obi and Randall minutes together just to get your best players on the court as much as possible. But I can at least buy it. When your two centers are Jericho Sims and Isaiah Hartenstein, one guy who won't be in the rotation when we're fully healthy. And another guy who is definitely not as good as Obi Toppin. Those excuses don't mean anything because we're getting blitzed on the defensive glass and te- it's a layup line. Like, so, yeah, I, I like Jericho Sims' switchability. He was awesome against Siakam on a few possessions, and he was great on Van Vliet one or two possessions. Um, that that's what I, I that's what Sims brings that Obi doesn't bring. And by the way, uh, shout out to Hartenstein. He had like what six stocks. He he had a lot. Um, five, three blocks and two steals. So like he played one of his better games. But we gave up 125 points in regulation. Like, this defense wasn't good. This wasn't the, all the reasons that you're told, oh, well, we can't try Obi and Randall for long periods of times. So it won't work. That doesn't matter anymore with this, with this paradigm. Like, this is the time to try it. 
this is the time to play it for five straight minutes each half and just lock it in. Say like, hey, for the next 10, 10 games, you guys are going to sink or swim. Good luck. It's not the time to – how many guys out of the rotation tonight who, who are usually out of the rotation played more than Obi? So Fournier, who will go back to being out of the rotation, played double the minutes of Obi. Great. Um, Jericho Sims played triple. He'll go back to being out of the rotation when Mitch is healthy. And, or Hardenstein, if Tibbs likes what Sims is bringing, Hardenstein, who will go out of the rotation, played four more minutes than Obi. So that's 36, 69, <laughs> nice, 69 minutes from three guys who effectively don't really matter to the long term of this franchise. Not being a little hard on Jericho Sims, but they definitely don't matter as much as Obi Toppin should matter, who we used a lottery pick on. Um, so yeah, long answer there, but Brian, I thought so too. And then you followed it up by saying, guess Tom would do anything for love, but won't do that, which is play. Yeah, I agree. All right. Chris Broussard with Chris, excuse me, Bernhard. Jesus, Chris Broussard. I'm losing my mind. Um, Chris Bernhard with the next comment. I wonder if there's footage of Jericho Sims boxing out and grabbing a rebound at the same time. I don't know what footage is harder to find that or real Bigfoot footage. The Knicks need to get a center. I mean, they have a center. Um, so I, I sort of disagree with that comment. Um, Mitch is really good. Um, he was playing at, you know, definitely defensively in all, all defense level. And look, here, here's one thing I will say. Everybody knows what Mitch brings on the defensive glass and everybody knows what he brings as a rebounder, specifically an offensive rebounder. But I think what surprises what would surprise people to learn is where he's actually making his biggest impact right now is offensively per the stats. So I'm going to bring them up right now. So if you sort by team on offensive rating right now, we actually score the most points per hundred possessions when Mitchell Robinson plays. When Mitchell Robinson plays, we score 118 points per, per hundred possessions. And when he sits, we score 110.8. So we're like, we're set. We're a little over seven points better per hundred possessions. He's not close to as impactful as like Julius is who, I mean, we fall off a cliff when Julius and to a lesser extent Brunson sit, but what Mitch's offensive rebounding does for this team mitigates a lot of the stuff that we like to talk about. Um, because as uh, Ben Ritholtz said on Twitter a little, uh, a few days ago, and actually, you know what? I think it was Prez, uh, Prez or Ben, one of the two, or maybe both. When the ball sticks and you shoot a lot of shots, you know, at the basket or from that mid range area, it forces the big to commit and to be a little bit less um, to be more vulnerable on the defensive glass. And Mitch just feasts off that. Like he's the, arguably the best, if not the second best offensive rebounder in the league. That's how he scores the majority of his points, those in lobs. And so, yeah, that's where we miss him. Um, so yeah, the Knicks have a center and I think I, they just tried to invest in another one. Hardenstein. It hasn't worked out. And it hasn't worked out because and do I think Isaiah Hardenstein is a bad basketball player? No. Do I think Isaiah Hardenstein is a bad basketball player playing for Tom Thibodeau? Yes. Because Tom Thibodeau doesn't know how to do anything other than what he knows how to do. Like every other coach would say, 
oh shit, like I've got a couple guys hurt. How can I build a new game plan around the guys I have? No, he just, you know, takes these triangle pegs and tries to fill them in square holes. Um, and that's why Evan Fournier didn't work, even though, I mean, Evan Fournier is a good basketball player. It's probably why Cam Reddish, you know, like how many guys do we have to see just get banished because they don't specifically fill the role that Tom Thibodeau has for their position before we realize that like, he only knows how to do one thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, long answer, but I, I don't think we need a new center. I think we need to adjust around the players we have right now because we have good basketball players. And I think this game would have looked different if Obi Toppin played more than 11 minutes. Um, which you follow up by saying, what the fuck? Why, why Obi only get 11 minutes? Yep, I agree. And then Brian follows up again by saying, but Hardenstein can get 15 while being the worst. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, man, got a lot of comments. I don't understand Tom's line of thinking. Yep, I just said that. And last comment from Brian, our defense isn't doing anything because we don't have Mitch, so we need a score, but he isn't adapting. Yeah, I agree. Um, Chris Bernhardt, looks like he's reacting to my comment. He said, I can't stand plus minus as a stat due to the fact that it covers the whole team, not specific player, but box box plus minus is a better metric, but it's still mad. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a really good point, uh, Chris. And I, I should have said that when I was when I was talking about it. There's a lot of noise in all on off uh, statistics or all, all all those stats, even the the advanced ones, because like you say, they're dependent on the players around you to to a certain degree. But that doesn't mean they're worthless. I mean, single game plus minus is pretty much worthless and i should have i should have clarified that but like you know there's a reason that guys are just consistently impactful like there's not a lot of noise if you look at like season to season like emmanuel quickly has pretty much consistently been like the knicks have been really good when he plays and bad when he doesn't play whether he starts whether he comes off the bench whoever he plays with that's what Emmanuel quickly brings. And yeah, you can take a drink. I brought up IQ. Um, but obviously the Knicks missed him tonight. So um, I agree with you though. And I think that's a good point. I, sh- I shouldn't have been so uh, liberal talking about single game plus minus. That was unfair to RJ. I didn't even mean it as like RJ hate. I meant it more as disparaging the rotations and how just ridiculous it was that as shorthanded as we were, the Knicks, had Grimes, Randall, and Brunson play all of the first and all of the third. And like, what do you know? Like the 10th and 11th men in the Knicks rotation couldn't play together. Like, that's not surprising to anybody. It, it just, it just shouldn't be at least like, yeah, if you're going to have to use your 11th man, let him play with people who might be able to elevate him a little bit more. Deuce McBride isn't going to elevate Evan Fournier. That's not how, it's not how basketball works. Like, <laughs> so I just feel like I'm just continuously saying the same things, but we're seeing the same problems and that's, you know, all right. Next comment. RJ is him. Agreed. Brunson is him. I agree in general. He, I don't think he was him tonight, but that's okay. Obi awesome from the bench. Randall was beast on the boards, but way too many turnovers in this free throws. Yeah. I like this comment in general. I like the positivity, Jordan. Appreciate it. Um, I don't I don't think Brunson played his best game, but that's okay. I mean, he's Mr. Consistency. He's allowed to have a bad game. Um, oh, we played 11 minutes. That sucks. 
Um, I agree. Randall was a beast on the boards and like he was oddly efficient. What did he finish the game? Um, I mean, eight of 14, he only took 14 shots um, and still ended up with 23, 19 and eight. Like, I don't know. That's, that's, I don't know what we're supposed to expect from him at this point. He's just printing out these games. Um, and yeah, RJ, I mean, he's getting wherever he wanted. He probably drew a few fouls that, weren't called like he weirdly he, he weird he, he has a really weird whistle because sometimes I, f- I feel like the refs predetermined that they're gonna give him a call and I'm like man there wasn't a lot of contact there but then other times I feel like he makes more contact look normal and they don't give him the whistle so he has one of the more inconsistent whistles that I've seen in the league and it's uh frustrating um, regarding the last point yeah way too many turnovers they I mean it wasn't even versus the zone the Raptors were blitzing and the Knicks are just not good at handling that stuff. It's be- it's because their two leaders, Brunson and Randall, wait too long to make the pass. They want to make a pass that leads to a basket. That's who they are right now. Um, and that's not the best way to deal with guy with an aggressive defense. You should be having lots as the lead initiators. If you're getting blitzed a lot and you're getting doubled, you should have lots of hockey assists. That should be the goal. You want to make the pass that leads to the pass because you're starting the scramble. If you wait too long, hoping to make a pass to a wide open guy that leads to a basket, you're allowing and inviting more pressure and pressure from different angles. And it leads to an increase in turnovers. Um, and yeah, I thought we saw more of that from Brunson and Randall and I. I thought they did a really bad job handling pressure. And it's just something they have to get better at. And I think they will. Um, Tibbs needs to be fired after this season. Yeah, I mean, what can you do? I, I don't know. I can only say it so many times. I, I, I mean, that guy will die knowing 100 times more about, you know, NBA basketball than I do. Um so like it's a weird thing to talk about because there's so much going on that like I don't know about and that he does know about and so like you want to give them the benefit of the doubt but there's also so much low hanging fruit that he doesn't really seem interested in grabbing and like it's not like uh fringe low hanging fruit like oh like this could be debatable like no like Obi Toppin shouldn't be playing 11 minutes tonight and if you think that's like a reasonable minutes distribution for Obi Toppin then we just will never see eye to eye and that's okay like you know it's a beautiful thing about the game you can look at it multiple ways but in my opinion the Knicks are not good enough or close enough to winning to be just absolutely lighting that kind of development and that kind of the chance to raise their overall ceiling on fire I, I don't agree. And, and the funny thing is, is go rewatch the start of that fourth quarter. Obi didn't do anything. It was an Evan Fournier turnover, an RJ turnover, an Evan Fournier missed corner three. It was so funny. They called, they, they had two subs uh, before the timeout. They, so like, like two minutes into the quarter, Deuce came out for Brunson. Like, you know, the, the Raptors went from 88-88 to 94-88. And it was a Fournier missed shot. Ball goes out of bounds, and Tibbs is like, oh, shit, we're losing our grip on this one. Got to get Brunson in. Why can't it be Brunson for Fournier? Like, Fournier is the reason that we're losing the grip right now. But he's so – he doesn't – he just doesn't think like that. He's just like, oh, well, 
you know, I need Fournier out there because for whatever reason, because he's my quickly for tonight, which is weird. Uh, and then, you know, a couple more minutes go by and the lead stretches to 12 and Tim's calls timeout and you know he's bringing Randall back in. And you know it's not going to be for Sims, which is too bad because it very well could have been. Obi deserved it tonight. Oh, here we go. Here's an interesting one. Deuce is horrific on offense. It kills me. I don't know why Tibbs just doesn't sub Brunson out early in the third so we can hide. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect comment. Deuce, that's that's 100% right. And you know what I appreciate about, appreciate about this comment? And I hope, you know, anybody watching can use it as sort of a, you know, just a way, a way to think about, you know, basketball and just rotating like this and just life. He made a bold claim, Deuce is horrific on offense. Yeah, that's not that bold, but he made a, a, pol- a potentially polarizing claim. And his answer wasn't just, okay, get him out of here. It wasn't trade him. It wasn't like, oh, he doesn't need to play any more minutes. There's no more. He, he can't get any better. It was, how do we mitigate this? How do we keep moving forward on the development train but figure out how to like, cause he's hurting us right now. He is hurting us right now. That's indisputable, but maybe he would be hurting us less if he was playing with one of Brunson or Randall, you know, like maybe if he got some of those minutes, he would get more into the flow, get, get more open shots, get, you know, and this isn't like a, Oh, we got to build around deuce. But as long as he's in the rotation, he needs to be someone that you're trying to maximize. That's the goal of basketball. You're trying to maximize the team. You're trying to maximize all nine of your guys. Um, and that's not happening right now. Hawkeye420, our reg said, what's good, Jeff? Shout out to you for actually doing this solo instead of enjoying the rest of your Sunday night. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I love talking about this team as much as, uh, as much as, you know, I can be negative sometimes. I don't want to be. Um but I, I do think it's because I think we're – I think we as a team right now are just leaving meat on the bone, you know? Um, and I just feel like there's an opportunity here, just like there was last season. And by the way, like all the same people who would be like, dude, shut up, like you're just Tibbs hater, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> they sat and watched as we went 3-17 and – and the whole time, people like me and people like Sam and people like Tyrese were saying, oh, well, maybe we should just start quickly. Like, maybe Obi should play more. They were like, oh, Tibbs knows best. Like, all the same stuff that they're saying now, they were saying last season. And th- that was, like, proven right. So I just don't get it. Like, I don't understand how the people, like, it's like almost like they, you know, they went the whole offseason and their brains reset or something. But I don't understand how any of this is defensible. I don't understand what the goal of it as a franchise is. Like, do they think they're going to win multiple playoff series? Okay. I mean, I hope they, I hope they are right. If that's what they think. Um, I don't think they are, but (laughs) it certainly seems like that's what they think because there isn't a more rigid team in the league right now in terms of how they rotate in terms of just how they run the offense. It's just, it's just the same thing every night. Um, and yeah, I guess that would work if you had like an MVP or you had a couple elite, like all-stars on your team. Like, excuse me, because I know Brunson and Randall are in the all-star discussion, but like lock all-stars. But this is a team that's young. You know, the average age of the rotation is under 24. Um, 
we should be emphasizing that we should be that the, there should be more balanced minutes. There should be more rotations and more lineup distributions. We just need more. This team isn't good enough to be doing the same thing every night. Um, and I hate that I have to keep saying that. I really do. Um, I appreciate you, Hawkeye. I'm doing the best I can. I don't know how good I am at this, but I appreciate all you guys for pulling up and commenting. Um, love what I've seen from Sims. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, and it stinks because when I talk about OB, it seems like I'm crapping on Sims. Um, but I don't mean it that way because I agree. I agree with you, H22. Um, sorry, my eyes are bad. Um, I agree with you. I think that I, I don't think he's a rim protector right now or much of one. I don't think he's like too much better than Obi would be if you put Obi down there and he was allowed to use his athleticism and his, his length. Um, but I, I do think he's better. Um, and I think he's more active on both classes than Obi would be. Although I, I, I again, I, I think the Obi rebounding stigma right now is more him just being on the perimeter on both sides of the ball. I think he could be a good rebounder very easily. Um, and I think he has it between the ears to be like a good team rebounder. Like if he was more frequently down low, I could see him hunting box outs more. Um, but that's a different story. Back to Sims. The thing I like most about him is his switchability defensively. And I wish we'd use that more because, he, like I said earlier in the stream, he guarded Siakam, he guarded Van Vliet. He does a good job whenever he switches. Um, yeah, I, I just... I don't know how high the ceiling is because I don't know where the leap comes from. I don't think he'll ever have the, the weird, um, like the really unique length and just freaky stuff that Mitch has to be like a Mitch level impact player at the center position. But he does do a lot of really interesting things. Um, you know, I remember earlier in the season when he was playing power forward, which was like ridiculous, obviously, because this was another missed opportunity. We could have just seen if RJ, how RJ did as a small power forward, but, or we could have played Cam, you know, uh, but I digress. Um, when he was playing power forward, other teams would try to exploit that by ignoring him because he's not going to shoot a three. So what he adjusted to doing was anytime he got a kick out and his defender was in the paint, he would dribble into a handoff to the guy on the wing and then screen for his defender, and that guy would be, be able to just walk into a pull-up three. Um, and that's just really intelligent. He's just, you can tell the way he processes, the way he grabs a rebound, and he's always looking to push, or he grabs an offensive rebound, he's always looking to kick it out. Um, you can tell he's just an intelligent player, and that matters a lot. So uh, thanks for the comment, H22, and I, I agree. I, 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 I do like what I've seen from Sims. Hawkeye420 said Fournier being in the fourth as long as he was is all that he need is all that needs to be noted, in my opinion. Game was easily lost in that stretch. Shout out to Tibbs for the to shout out to Tibbs the infallible. Um yeah, I agree. 21 minutes was too many for Fournier, especially when Deuce only played 10. Um and that's just a great example of like what we talk about in here a lot is that like 
just why can't, why couldn't it have been Deuce and Brunson? Why every time you had to rush Brunson back in there? Because like Deuce plays next to Quickly all the time. That's where he plays like 100% of his minutes. So why is it so rigid and they have these roles that are carved out for them in the pregame? Why can't we adjust on the fly? Because Deuce, say what you want about his offense. And a guy who commented earlier, I apologize for your name, was right. Deuce is hurting us on offense. But like Fournier was 0 for 5 and brought terrible defense in the first half. Why did he play more minutes? Why could do and Deuce was our best defender? Why couldn't it have just been Deuce who stayed out there a little bit longer? Like small decisions like that don't matter. We wouldn't have won this game if Deuce played, you know, five more minutes. But they do matter long term. Like those these minutes add up. You you think five minutes isn't a big deal, but you know, five minutes every night, like, like that's, you know, that's 400 minutes across the season. Can you think OB playing an extra 400 minutes in a season wouldn't, wouldn't matter. Definitely would matter. Um, so yeah, Hawkeye, good comment. Um, Jordan Bob reminds you a lot, drop a like, appreciate you, Jordan. Um, Hawkeye 420 said Sims had a terrible fourth quarter, absolutely roasts on the boards. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to beat him. I mean, Jericho Sims shouldn't be playing 33 minutes. That's just truth of matter. Like he's shown good things and, um, but he played 33 minutes. Guys are going to be tired again. Just like I was saying, you know, five minutes might not seem like a big deal, but they add up. It works the other way too. You think that Randall playing, you know, 300 less minutes in a season wouldn't help him in some fourth quarters when he's clearly gassed. Of course it would. I mean, and we're already starting to see it right now. What have we been bitching about for the people who come in here all the time in our post games? What do we talk about with the rotations, with the manual quickly? Well, first it was he didn't play enough. Correct. He was not playing enough. Now he's playing over 30 minutes a game. But because he's a bench player, his path to 30 minutes a game is one 15-minute shift in each half. Shift half. One 15-minute shift per half. That is ludicrous. That's not a rotation. That's not what anybody does. I saw earlier today, Reggie Bullock tonight for the, or this afternoon for the Mavericks played. Let's see how many minutes Reggie Bullock ended up playing. Reggie Bullock ended up playing 32 minutes, 32 minutes. How much you want to bet? He did not play two 16 minutes uh, halves. I mean, if he did more power to Jason Kidd, I'd be very surprised, but I watched the game and I'm pretty sure he came in, came out, came in, came out. And I always use the Bucs as an example because I think they are like, they're the standard. But go watch a Bucs game. Like, go watch the next Bucs game when they're all healthy. You have Connaughton. You have Bobby Portis. And now you have Joe Ingles. You have those three guys. They're bench staples when the team is fully healthy. All three of those guys' minutes will be in the mid-20s, less than Emmanuel quickly, quickly was playing. And yet, all three of them will play multiple shifts and a half. Giannis Antetokounmpo, their star, comes out at the six or seven minute mark at the start of each half, every game, almost every game. That's his normal rotation. Because Boonholzer knows that the best way to get the best out of his players is multiple short shifts. Instead, quickly is just playing on tired legs at the end of every shift. And like, yeah, it's cool he's playing more because him playing more is better than him playing less, but it's still not an ideal rotation. It's not a rotation at all. Um so, you know, back to the comment. I know I go on tangents a lot, and I apologize for that. But um, 
Sims shouldn't be playing 33 minutes and there's ways to, he's probably gassed in that fourth quarter and there's ways to get him 30 minutes in a game that isn't, you know, that's shorter shifts and allows for our guys to have more energy in the fourth quarter. And there are multiple issues here, all, all compounding to lead to that moment in the fourth where Tibbs just tosses the starters back in there. There, there's so many different things going on and they all need to be fixed or we're going to just keep saying the same things over and over again. Um, Hawkeye 420 said, Obi being this great of a soldier for this team. I don't know if this the right analogy is insane. How he hasn't punched Tibbs yet is commendable. I mean, hey, I'm not going to, you know, purport violence. That's, you know, Tyrese allegedly would, would agree with that. Um, but I do agree that Obi is like the ultimate soldier to the point that like, it wouldn't surprise me if he just extended for cheap here. Like how much does he just love New York? I don't, I can't believe he hasn't said anything. I can't believe he doesn't have anybody in his camp who hasn't said anything. It's ridiculous. I can't believe Randall hasn't said anything. Like, if you're Julius Randle and you're the team leader, you know Tibbs like loves you. You know Tibbs relies on you. And Obi's cooking like he is in that second quarter. Why don't you go over to Tibbs and be like, "Yo, let's try me and let's try me and Obi right now for a bit. Let's keep Obi out there for ten minutes instead of seven. I don't know. I feel like somebody's got to say something. Just somebody's got to say something. Uh, Jordan Bub said Tibbs def- defense scheme is being shredded like paper. And instead of adjusting like any other coach, he just keeps using the same system over and over again. So it works. Yeah. I mean, 125 points isn't good. Um, and yeah, coaching the same way that you do when you have Mitch, when you don't have Mitch probably isn't ideal is what I'd have to say about that. Um, I did really like the stretch from I thought the middle stretch of the game, the start of the second through the end of the third, I think we only allowed like 49 points. Does that sound right? 49. Cause they scored 37 in the first, I think let's check it out. Um, sorry, bear with me here. I'm bad at this. Oh, there it is. Yeah. They scored 37 in the first and then, yeah, they scored 49 in the middle two quarters. I really liked the energy there. Like you just saw it. You saw they were engaged. You saw they were locked in. They were moving on a string. And it showed you that what Tibbs, his, what Tibbs schemes, it can work. But it can't be the only thing because teams are smart. And they're smart as they've ever been. This is as efficient and as good as offense has ever been. They're going to figure it out. Like even the Raptors tonight, you know, they showed multiple looks. It wasn't just one thing. So, yeah, you know, sometimes you have to switch. You can't just always play drop. You can always play drop when you have Mitchell Robinson because he's that good. But when you have Isaiah Hardenstein, who once again had five steals and blocks, like he was – I'm not going to say he was good. He was fine this afternoon. But you can't – you still can't do that. You're going to get shredded. Um, Tibbs would probably be a fire year too late rather than year too soon. Yeah, I mean, I would have I would have fired him at the end of last season, and I don't think it's close. I think what he did at the end of last season was about as harmful as 
it can get as far as coach and franchise go. Um, I don't get how there were people defending what was happening at the end of last season. Um, it was ridiculous. Like we were three games under 500 or whatever on the second to last game of the season. And he started Alec Burks at the point guard. Like just, I would love to sit down with him for two minutes and just be like, what was the point of that? What, what was possibly the point of that? Um, obviously that'll never happen, but whatever. Um, Eric Fernandez said, it's so annoying to watch the Clippers play Robert Covington at the five or the Mavs playing Dorian Fanny Smith. Meanwhile, we were afraid Boucher is going to bully Randall and Obi. Yeah. Uh, to, to give Tibbs, this isn't giving him credit, but that's not the only thing he's afraid of. The other thing he's afraid of is if our point of attack defense isn't great, then Obi and Randall will seed layups as opposed to seeding like mid-range jumpers or floaters. And my answer to that would be, well, we saw last game what happens when our point of attack defense isn't great. DeJounte Murray gets in the paint and Isaiah Hardenstein, sh- Isaiah Hardenstein seeds 10-footers, you know, wide-open 10-footers, which to NBA players are basically layups. Um, so I don't think that's a good excuse. I, I just do want to point out that, you know, this isn't the 90s. He's not really afraid of getting bully balled, you know, by a big, he's more afraid of perimeter guys getting layups. Um, and I just still would disagree with that. And I would disagree with that even more if I were allowed to, uh, suggest that instead of playing drop, like his argument would be Hardenstein and Sims in drop are way better than Randall and Obian in drop. And I agree with that because, especially Randall there, but I, I mean, we haven't seen enough from Obi. They're not good in drop, but why are those the only two options? Why can't it be Hartenstein and Sims and drop versus playing a more switchy defense with Obi and Randall? That's what the debate really should be. And that's what a coach should think about. You should think about multiple ways to attack an offense. And it is inarguable that what, Obi would do for Randall and the rest of the offense if they played together and we had all that space in the middle is way better than what Hardenstein and Sims are doing. It's inarguable. So you have to ask yourself, are what Sims and Hardenstein doing in drop coverage and on the defensive glass, do they make up for that in comparison to what Obi and Randall could do in a switch defense? And to me, it's not even close to me. It's, it's not even remotely close. Um, and this is one of the low-hanging pieces of low-hanging fruit that I was talking about earlier that I think this team is just missing out on huge. Um, so, yeah, thanks for the comment, Eric. Uh, Hawkeye420 said, Brunson stinks against Toronto, though. They're the kryptonite. Yeah, I think um, it's length. I think he's just always going to struggle with... Um, you know, they have the whole, like, five forwards thing or Van Vliet and four forwards thing, and they don't really play too much drop covers. They switch, so they're not afraid of putting, you know, a forward on Brunson. Um, and, you know, he's not, like, a lightning-quick point guard. He's not going to punish a forward with quickness. He's always about guile and 
creativity and you know he's got his bag and even without OG Ananobi that's just not gonna bother these Raptors defenders um but here's the thing (laughs) I hate to always bring it back to Tom Thibodeau but it's a Tom Thibodeau thing he would look a lot better if his one job to do wasn't just relentlessly run high pick and roll if there was any creativity if there was any sort of play design that could maybe, you know, free him up and get him a little bit more of an advantage. He might look a little bit better against this team. <laughs> Blood of the Panda said Tyreek took this episode off, huh? Yeah, I think he's just celebrating uh, Sam's birthday in his own way. Yeah, there. Uh, I think he, I think he actually said... Uh, like something about his him and his dad doing dinner together or something, which is cool. I'm enjoying talking to y'all. I'm sure those of you who have pulled up before, you know I kind of like the sound of my own voice, which can probably be annoying, but hey, at least here I can, you know, I got I have to talk, so. We got Blow the Panda laughing at Tyrese. Blow the Panda saying, salute bro to Hawkeye 420. Good shit. Hawkeye 420 saying salute back. All right, this is going to be a really good comment, I can tell. Um, ooh, all right. I'm actually going to add to what Eric has to say here. But he says, also, I'm getting frustrated with Grimes these last few games. I love him, but he's been getting punked by Fred Van Vliet and Trey these last two games. So, yeah, his defense hasn't been great these last few games. Um, I mean, long term, I don't think we want to be down on Grimes because when you show what he's shown as a shooter – as an attacker, like he had that pass to Sims tonight after attacking closeout. That was just, I don't think anybody else on the team makes that pass. Like he had some good moments tonight. Um, but yeah, his defense has definitely tapered off a bit. No, no question about it. Um, I will say in defense of him, when literally your job is to be put on an Island against the other team's best perimeter score night after night, after night, there is some volatility to that, to to that. Like you're basically not allowed to have an off night, which yeah, he shouldn't like, especially if he's putting all of his energy to defense, but he's 22 years old or 23 years old. Like he's supposed to have speed bumps, you know, that's, that's, he's not at his prime. So I do agree with being frustrated with like, the microcosm of his performance um, of, of his game to game performance these last few games, but I'm not worried about it long-term. The thing that I'm more concerned with, I will, I will say he really doesn't seem to like to shoot threes after he's missed one. And something I noticed, you know, like a few weeks ago, um, like I, I think he's still really struggling with balancing attacking the closeout versus just being a pure sniper when like I know Tibbs wants him to be a sniper which like credit to Tibbs he should want him to do that um but Grimes is like hey like you know I've been working on you know my handles and my finishing around the rim like I want to showcase that too uh, we saw quickly struggle with it a little bit last season um and he's still struggling with it a, little, a little bit this year I wish quickly would shoot more um but tonight, man, there was a couple when there, there was one possession, which I hope uh, some of y'all remember, but it was in the fourth quarter and Randall created multiple open threes for Grimes. Maybe not like wide open, but like he should have shot. 
And Grimes pumped on both and then dribbled into nothing. And I was watching and I was like, man, like you should have shot both of those. Like, and if you're not going to shoot, you have to make something happen. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, just from like a mental standpoint, that worries me because I want I want him to have 100 percent confidence that he can just shoot every time. Like if I was Tibbs and I saw Grimes do that, I would just pull him aside in one practice and be like, dude, like you have to shoot like I want you shooting every single time. I don't care if you're over 10, go for 11, have that Dion waiters attitude, you know, like. I'd rather be over 21 than over six, because if I was over six, that means I stopped shooting. Quinn Grimes should never stop shooting ever. Um, and like, I do agree. I, 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 I'm not saying that his, his attacks don't have value. They do, but I just want him to scale those back just a little bit and shoot more because like this guy needs to be shooting, you know, eight threes a game or ten, maybe 10 threes a game. I'm sure I'm going to look right now and see he shot eight or 10, but he shot six. Um, I, he, he's, he's got to shoot more and Hey, we, we won Grimes' minutes tonight. <laughs> uh, um, we got to get fired. Tibbs trending blood. Yeah. I don't know. I just... Haters will blame RJ for this one though. Eric Fernandez. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not super in touch with the, you know, the, the whole Twitter scene. I would have a hard time blaming RJ for this one, though. That's what I'll say. Um, I'd have to watch his defensive effort. I, I know he was, once again, a little weak on the glass. There was one Fred Van Vliet layup when he really just, like, the bare minimum amount of, like, the bare minimum nudge just moved RJ off out of his way, basically. And I was like, come on, RJ. Like, hold your ground a little bit better than that. Um, I mean, yeah, he's got to round out his game a little bit more, but... Again, he had 35 and 4 on 16 shots. He is not the reason we lost this game. Um, Hawkeye420 asks, Jeff, can you check Grimes' defensive metrics since our eight-game win streak ended? If I recall correct, if I recall correctly, he missed that first Toronto game. I don't know if his defense has been good since that injury. So um, I think on cleaning the glass, I could isolate for that. I don't have it open right now. I'm just gonna see what it's looking like on the season right now. Um, so on the season, and remember, like he gets hurt kind of because he's a starter, but on the season, the Knicks have a 111.5 defensive rating when he's on the court and a 112.2 defensive rating when he's off. So that's like really encouraging, actually, because I mean, who are the players that Grimes plays with the most? Brunson and Randall. And Brunson and Randall have by far the worst discrepancy. So Brunson, the Knicks allow 116 points when Brunson plays, and they allow 104 points when he sits. They're 12 points per 100 when, Brun- when Brunson sits than when he plays. And Randall's pretty close to that. So the fact that those two can be 12, like they can be minus 12, and Grimes has found a way to still be a positive means that like when he separates himself from the starting lineup, he's like really showcasing what he can do. Um, So that's the best I can do for you right now, Hawkeye. Um, And again, I I don't think we have too much reason to be worried. Um, I think Grimes is who he is and he's going to be a good defense, good to great defensive contributor for a long time. And I think his ceiling is more so dictated by what he becomes on offense. 
Um, Blood of Panda said, I've been trying, bro. I'm still on the island, but I don't expect <laughs> Um, And then he followed up by saying, they aren't even maximizing Obi's trade value. Yeah, I agree. Um, Bad Eyesight said, I think we moved the ball well with RJ as the focal point. Yeah. Um, and I thought we moved the ball well to start the game. Uh, I thought we really came out. I mean, how many assists did we end up having? We had like 20-something, right? Uh, holy shit. Nick said 30 assists tonight. Um, that's, that's a lot. Um, and I agree that the, there were some good minutes when RJ, when, when the offense was run through RJ, because he was really, again, this is a very simple offensive system. It is completely reliant on collapsing the defense and either getting an easy basket or starting a scramble that gets you, your teammate, an easy basket. And say it again, that is why Julius Randle is so important to Tom Thibodeau because he is the best Nick at causing that, at, at starting that scramble. He collapses the defense better than anybody. And tonight, RJ was doing that. RJ was getting wherever he wanted. He was getting to the basket at will. He was scoring efficiently. And eventually, the Raptors had to treat him like they were treating Randall from the start. And that, you know, that is that is why the ball movement looked so good at times when RJ was the focal point. Thanks for the comment, Bad I said. Um, Hawkeye420 said, Tibbs and optimization maximizing just don't go together. Yeah, I mean, that's that's actually a good point. Um, and, and I know you meant it as like kind of Tibbs slander, but I'm gonna try I'm gonna try to spin it in a more optimistic way towards Tibbs, even though like it's probably not optimistic. He's just always gonna be a high floor guy. He he's always guarding against the worst case scenario. So to him, you know, it's the same reason that he played Alfred Payton, started Alfred Payton for an entire season, because he could control and predict the style and the type of output that Alfred Payton was gonna give him. There was less volatility to it. Now, that doesn't mean that's good. That's that's not like a de- that obviously was not a defensible position to take. Alfred Payton was terrible. Um legitimately one of the worst players like that version of Alfred Payton. I know Payton on the Pelicans was fine and whatever, but that season's version of Alfred Payton was legitimately one of the worst basketball players I've ever seen. Um didn't try on defense, didn't shoot. He shot like 45% inside five feet, which is insane. Um, Yeah, he was just awful. So, but Tibbs is always going to look for what gives him the most consistent median. And so, yeah, he's not looking to, you know, raise the ceiling. He's looking for guaranteed production. And that's, once you understand that that's how he views the world, it sort of helps you understand why he makes some of the baffling decisions that he does. Um, I look forward to your involve, involvement in Knicks on one tomorrow, assuming you have the time. The combos tomorrow will be something. Yeah, Sean does a good job. Um, I don't see why I wouldn't be there, but at least for the beginning. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good show. Um, anyone who, you know, is busy or is looking for something to do during the day. Maybe you're at work and you want to listen to something. There's a good spaces at one the day after every Knicks game. So check it out. Um, Hawkeye again said, 
I think talking about talent in the way you did is fair, Jeff, because you actually acknowledge that they aren't being used optimally. I wish I remembered what I was saying. <laughs> I'm such a, I have such a bad memory, but um, yeah. Um, I mean, I agree with you with what you're saying in a vacuum. Um, yeah, I mean, all, all I can say is I agree with you because I don't remember the specific point I was making, but I mean, I made it, so I assume I agree with myself. Um, oh, you continue. Okay, not a lot of Nick's content creators speak like that. It's either gas up the guys who have it going one night and chalking it up to luck, or Tibbs can't be blamed because we have zero talent. Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying now. Uh, my mistake, I should have finished the comment. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um, once you kind of dabble in Nick's you know, Twitter with all the content there is out there, there's a lot of agendas out there. And I would kill to like wake up in like two weeks and get laughed at for thinking that Tibbs should have been fired. Just like, I feel really good right now about the fact that I was almost certainly wrong about what I would have given Julius Randall away for, for during the summer. Like I hope Tyrese laughs at me, you know, every day for the rest of my life for that. Um, now, man, I keep saying that, but sorry guys, like I'm by myself here. This is kind of a, uh, this is like a, you know, a rough draft or whatever. Like I've never done this before, so I'm probably repeating myself a lot, but anyways, I still think, despite how good Julius Randle's been, if you assume that Tibbs is the head coach for the future, I still think you could make an argument that trading him is best for the franchise. Not even from an OB standpoint, but just from like a Tibbs and Randle just don't go together at all, clearly. Like your ceiling is so low when the two of them are together because there's just no room for other people to flourish. So, like, even if Obi, even if you don't believe in Obi, you could make the argument that just Obi being in the starting lineup with RJ and Brunson potentially elevates RJ to a degree that matters more than whatever Randall will do for the Knicks. That's like a really pessimistic way to look at it regarding Randall. And I don't want to make that argument. I think he should be, he should get all the praise in the world for how he's come back from that awful season last season. Um, I hope he makes the all-star game and he's putting up the numbers that like, you know, he still might, even if we're, even if we lose a lot of games before the all-star game. Um, but I just do need to point that out there. Like I, like I, I admit readily that I would have made a pathetic trade during the summer. If somebody offered it to, if I was GM of the Knicks and somebody was like, Hey, I'll give you a, you know, protected first for Randall. I would have been like, yeah, take him. We're going to start Obi. And that would have been wrong. Obviously he's worth more than that. Um, and my original point was I would give anything to be wrong about Tibbs. I, I think everybody should view basketball and rooting for the Knicks that way. Like your agenda is not more important than what, than the team you root for. And that's how I always view it. Um, so appreciate the comment, Hawkeye. Ace Bouchard said, it kind of sucks that we lose Mitch's defense and don't really have a decent offensive boost option at the five to replace him because we know the defense is going to drop off significantly. Yeah, I agree. I, or I disagree. I think that Obi, Obi and Randall at the four and five would be a significant offensive boost. Um, well, excuse me. I think it would be a significant offensive boost from what we're getting right now. I don't think, I don't think I, I, you might not have been here earlier when I said it, Ace, but 
Mitch has the highest individual offensive rating on the team. Like there, if you sort by individual offensive rating, when they play, we don't score as many points with anybody on the court court per hundred possessions as we do with Mitchell Robinson. So like, it's not like he was some defensive specialist that was bringing, giving us nothing on offense. He, his offensive rebounding is one of the most valuable individual skills on this team. Um, and so would Obi be able to replicate that? No, but would he be able to bring something meaningful that could approach it? I think he could. And I think it's worth, I think this is the time you try that because we're 25 and 23 and like this team ceiling right now is the six seed. That's what this team ceiling is. So we can either chase the six seed and have Isaiah Hardenstein and Jericho Sims fail at being Mitchell Robinson, or we can try something new and we can see if there's a higher ceiling with a different approach to the game. To me, anybody who studied range of outcomes, anybody who understands that kind of stuff understands that it's no question. You have to try that, but Tibbs doesn't agree. Um, Hawkeye said, <laughs> Jesus, uh, Tyree celebrating Sam's birthday in his own way. Uh, yeah, I, I was just talking out of my ass. I wasn't implying anything by that. <laughs> um, Hawkeye then said, bro, so much dribbling and nothing happened in the fourth level in the entire game. Matting to watch. Yeah. Especially when we were facing a zone, right? Like what were our more, most successful possessions against the zone? It was when, uh, the team put somebody in the middle and then we passed through the guys up the top. And then the guy in the middle made something happen, especially RJ. RJ was really good at making something happen from that, making something happen from that middle spot. And somebody said it on Twitter today, but when you see guys like Brunson and Randall over dribble, it does beg the question if they're doing it because it's, it's natural to them or if it's because the way Tibbs wants them playing basketball, you know, he wants them to dribble into a shot or to collapse the defense, but I don't get why we're not adjusting when it's a zone. Um, and then Hawkeye finished with saying, thanks for the insight. Hopefully it's just a rough stretch recently for Grimes. That, yeah, I agree. I mean, I just don't think there's much reason to be worried about Grimes. I think, I think <laughs> What I was saying earlier about Tibbs and how much he likes like a safe, predictable median, it correlates very heavily with reasons he loves Grimes so much because Grimes, in my opinion, is a very safe prospect. Um, and I think we can be, I think we can be rest, rest easy knowing that Grimes is going to be here for a long time and give us what we, what we hope he does. Um, bad ice it said just for the purpose of the roles they're being asked to be played what about obi for nasir little swap little on a fantastic contract you asked this before i think or if you didn't somebody else did um or man maybe you asked it on another show i don't know i, I watched the uh the macri post game show sometimes so maybe you asked it there but um i remember thinking and i still think that is selling awfully low on Obi. Even if you're right about, 
even if your whole presumption is right, which I think it's possible it is, like we'd be getting a wing, which is valuable. Like it is entirely possible that Nasir Little could be more valuable for this team than Obi is. Um, I still think that we can just get more for Obi. There's somebody out there who believes in this guy's ceiling. He's shown enough. Um, Ace Bouchard said Nick should still trade Randall as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's tough. I don't. I don't know. I, I there's just like the fan side versus the rational side, and I mean Randall's just that type of guy. You have to question like what is. What is his ceiling for contributing to a winning team? What is like the best and not just any team? Because like obviously if Randall was traded to like the Mavericks, he wouldn't go to Dallas and be like, "Oh, I'm the guy. This is my fucking team." You know, like that's just not what he would do. So, all the stuff we kind of pine for Randall to do, from a role player perspective, it's easier to see him doing it for another team, especially a team with like a superstar like Luca. So back to my original question, what is the ceiling for a Julius Randle Knicks team? Because you have to think that as long as he's here, he's going to play this way. Um, and for him to make playing this way work, he has to really play well. And like he has to shoot well, he has to make decisions well all the time. And, like, what does that team look like? I don't know. I don't know how far we can go. And so when you consider that, is there merit to just saying, like, okay, Randall, he's rehabbed his image. Let's just – our ceiling's low with this guy, and he's a wonderful individual player. Let's send him somewhere where they can capitalize on him and sort of fit him in better to a higher ceiling – outcome and then we can also raise our ceiling by getting assets back and freeing up room for obi i don't know i mean i'm not saying that's right i'm just saying i do think there is merit to thinking about that um and then he followed it by saying give me that protected first i'm still taking that trade hawkeyes watching the football game need the niners to beat philly hey man game's not over um Probably won't happen because the Eagles are disgustingly good. Niners just keep copy-pasting quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, this game is coming down to the wire here. I I mean, Dallas gets a stop, they'll have the ball and a chance to tie it up. So, Um, Hawkeye, do not do hope my negative Nancy prediction of 0-13 the stretch doesn't happen because this has been brutal so far. All right, so if you weren't here the last time, and I think if you don't mind, Hawkeye, I know you've got a few more comments. Yeah, all right. So I think I'm going to end here. Um, um, all right, I'll, I'll show you this comment that you just said, Hawkeye. Suns are probably the only team that we can trade Randall for. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Um, I do think that's, that's the trade if we make it. But I'm going to go back to Hawkeye's comment about this stretch, and I'm going to finish here. If you weren't here for the last post game, we went through this schedule, or Tyrese did. So let's do that one more time. Through the All-Star game, All-Star break, we now have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. We have 12 more games. Cleveland, at Boston, at Brooklyn, Lakers, Heat, Clippers, Sixers, all at home. 
then at Orlando, at Philly, Utah and Brooklyn at home, and then at Atlanta. So we've got five road games and seven home games and 12 playoff, 11 playoff teams and the magic. I mean, look, I don't think the Knicks are going to go own 12. That's not how, that's not how basketball works. If we go own 12, like, like just even going three and 17 over that 20 game stretch last season was ridiculous. Um, it was stupid that that happened and that like never happened. So going 0-12, which would mean we went 0-16 to end the All-Star break, that would just be, that would be ludicrous. That's not going to happen. But these games at the same time, these games are not inspiring hope because there aren't many wins. Like we need, we we're going to need teams to shoot really bad from three, you know, injuries, rest, whatever. Even with that, I guess maybe the Nets without without Durant, maybe they're getting killed by the Warriors right now, if I recall correctly. Um, yeah, we can beat Orlando in Orlando, but like they've been hanging in there versus versus good teams. Um, I don't know. I mean, twelve games. What would my real my my I I said last night that I would sign up for, I would have signed up for uh, five and, did I do math wrong? Because I could have sworn Tyrese said five and nine last night. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. No. Okay. So we have 12 now. Well, whatever. So we've got 12 games. Um, I would sign right now against those 12 opponents. I would sign for five and seven. That would be, that would we'd go into the all-star break 500 that would be great what's a more realistic outcome probably four and eight maybe three and nine like just no mitch we're not gonna have mitch back for any of these games and we see how the defense looks and we see what it looks like when we don't adjust so i don't know um I just, it's tough to be, it's tough to be too confident in the macro right now. And I'm going to end it how I started it. Um, Will, yes, I do. I don't think the Knicks are going to trade him. I'm going to answer your question. and then I'm going to say what I was going to say. Um, yes, I do think that RJ will be here long-term. I think the Knicks love him. I think he loves being a Nick. Um, you know, I, yeah, I, I I do think he's here to stay. Um, it would kind of make me sad if we traded him, you know. He's kind of like the first lottery pick to work out. Um, and he hasn't really, like, he hasn't made an all-star game or anything. I, I know some people would be like, oh, he hasn't worked out. But, like, it just still feels good with RJ. Um, and I, I hope the Knicks keep him. Um, but to, to finish the thought that I interrupted myself with um, – it's hard to feel good about the micro right now. And that's why ignoring the macro is so for a team that ceiling was already this low is so detrimental because I think most Nick fans were excited about embracing the macro. And I think that if you had told them that Grimes and quickly, you know, would, would have in, increased minutes 
um, and our rotation would be as young as it is, I think most people would be excited, but we're still seeing what they're doing night in and night out. And we're still very much aware that there's just so much more they can be doing as far as seeing different lineup combinations, getting Obi on the court more, going small. Like how many times do we have to open up the, the NBA.com lineup combo thing generator and just make up a Knicks lineup that we haven't seen any of? How many times? How many minutes? Let's do it right now. How many minutes have um, – Brunson, Quickly, Grimes, RJ, and Mitch played together this season. How many minutes? Let's see. I bet it's zero. Which is insane, by the way. That's a really good lineup. That's a lineup that should be used. Um, bear with me here. Like, just think about that lineup. I'm going to repeat it again. Brunson, Quickly, RJ, Grimes. So Grimes, RJ, and Mitch. So you go a little bit smaller, but you still have Mitch in the middle. This is like a lineup that you could use to give Randall a reprieve, you know, like if the rotations work that way, or maybe at the end of a game that Randall's struggling. Um, yeah, this is just a lineup that has a lot of merit. Um, and I would bet that we have not seen it yet. So we will check the tape, but I am going to remain very confident as I scroll through here and see that I just, I'm not seeing it even listed. So I, you know, somebody wants to prove me wrong, but I, I don't think that, uh, Hey, we got another late comment. Mino says, what's good. Jeff didn't catch the game. Just wanted to say what's up. My friend was at the game though. Hey, thanks for checking in on the post game. You, uh, you didn't miss much of a game. I was just ranting about Tib stuff which I'm sure you expected if you're a uh, frequenter of the post game. Um, and I think I'm going to, uh, I think I'm going to end it there. William asked and Randall, I don't, it seems like he seems like Randall's here to stay. And you know what? If he's playing as hard and as good as he's playing this year, I think, I mean, I don't know if we can be anything but excited about that. So yeah. I appreciate everyone who pulled up. I did my best for 70 minutes to talk. Uh, my voice is a little raspy. I've never really done that before. Um, watching the Cowboys not. Oh, my God. They, they just lost the game, basically. Um, yeah, I'm going to wind it to a close. And, again, I appreciate everyone for pulling up. I hope I didn't butcher it too hard. Oh, crap. I forgot my duties as a host. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's do our duties here at the end for the few people who are reading. Uh, hey guys, the NBA season is heating up and there are still so many unknown. Uh, who's going to win the championship? Will it be the Nets with Durant missing games? Keep watching. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Download the app now. Sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win the game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. There you go. I did my job. Um, that's good shit. Um, 
<laughs> ah, that's good stuff. Yeah, this will make me for a good rewatch. We have our links at the bottom of the description. And, you know, like, subscribe. We're trying to get to a thousand. I hope I hope you guys will like and show us some support. And uh, I'll see you guys on, we play the Cavs at home on Tuesday. So I will see you all Tuesday night. Peace.